Well, good morning, everybody, and thanks for being with us. If you're here in Waukesha, we're really glad that you're here. If you're watching online, it's great that you can connect wherever you are. And special hello to our friends out in Pewaukee. I am John. I'm one of the pastors here. And I spend most of my time with our care ministries. We've got some amazing care ministries here at River Glen. We've got grief share and divorce care. Both of those classes, they start next week. So if that's where you're at in your life, go online. You can sign up. And then tomorrow night at the Waukesha campus, we're doing our care ministry open house. We've got a guest speaker coming in. We've got dinner. And so I want to just invite you to show up to that. And then in addition to those, we've got marriage mentoring and we've got Stephen ministry. And the reason why I want to talk about these ministries is because whatever you're going through here at River Glen, wherever you're at in your life, we want to go through it with you. And that's why we have these ministries so we can walk through those times of your lives with you. And so I wanted to spell a rumor right away this morning. Um, we did not fire Ben. Ben is taking the month of August off from teaching. He is planning on 2024, and uh, he's working on what the sermon series will look like going into next year. And then more good news I have for you is last service I broke my headset. And so now I have to use this handheld, and this is why it's good news for you. I have a propensity, a tendency to talk with my hands. One hand is tied up, so therefore I only have half as much to say. So... <laughs> So you're going to get out of here quickly. But with Ben taking time off, that gives an opportunity for many of us to come up on stage. And we're going to talk about this book we've been going through as a staff. It's called One at a Time. And this book, it's really all about focusing like Jesus did. Jesus saw people one at a time, and he met them where they were at. And as a staff, it's been, it's been really good to help us take a step back and realize that Jesus saw people one at a time. In this book, it's kind of a how-to manual on how to reach people. And um, I just want to recap the, the first two weeks in case you were here or weren't here. In week one, we had Jared Walker come in. And Jared Walker came in and he talked about this idea of Zoom lens. And the idea is that Jesus... Even though he was always in the crowds, every time you read the New Testament, Jesus is surrounded by crowds. But he took the time to see the individual. He zoomed in on them, and he met them where they were at. There's a story of a woman. She's been bleeding for 12 years, and Jesus is walking through this crowd, and people are touching him from all around. And this woman touches his robe, and Jesus feels that power has gone out of him. And he's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, Jesus. There's hundreds of people around you. What do you mean who touched you? And yet Jesus sees her, and he meets her where she's at. And then, then there's a story of the blind man in the Gospel of John. Again, a crowd. Jesus is coming down the street. He's surrounded by his disciples. There's hundreds of people everywhere. And this blind man is crying out to Jesus. And Jesus, help me. Help me. And the disciples go up to the man, and they're like telling him to be quiet, to hush up. They literally tell him to shut up. But Jesus sees him. And Jesus goes up to the man and says, what do you want from me? And Jesus heals him. And then last week, Morgan was up here, and he talked about this concept of in and through. And the idea of in and through is God wants to do something in us before he's going to do something through us. And what God wants to do is he wants to change our heart. He wants to us to grow in our relationship with him. He wants us to become closer to Jesus. And when we do that, then he's going to do amazing things through us, and he's going to help us grow so we can help other people. And today we're going to look at this concept called the proximity principle. And it's this idea that God puts people in our lives 
that we can influence and impact for Jesus. And sometimes it's as simple as an invite. And so I'm curious, I got a quick question for you, whether you're watching online or Pewaukee, raise your hand online, type in, that's me. But my question for everyone in Waukesha, the first time, the first time you ever came to River Glen, whether it was for an event or a weekend service, raise your hand if you were invited. Yeah, right? That's the proximity principle in action. And many of us are here today because of a simple invitation. And here's one way that the proximity principle played out in my life. I grew up going to church, and we went frequently. And even though we went every weekend, I never knew what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. I didn't know what it meant to have Jesus as my Savior. And that's more on me than it was on them. When I was in 15 years old, I was a sophomore in high school, and I met this new kid. This kid had just moved from New York that summer, kind of think Ralph Macchio, the karate kid, except he doesn't know karate. And I was the first guy he met, and this like East Coast dude, like he was a fish out of water, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to teach him to be Midwest cool as if I was cool then or now. And so he and I just kind of formed this bond, and we just started hanging out together. We had classes together, and then on the weekend, Kent and I would get together, and we'd do stuff. But one thing that Kent could never do is he could never hang out on Sunday because he went to a different church. And at his church, like, I didn't understand this, but it was like they were at church, like, all day. It seemed like they'd go to, this, they'd go to church in the morning, and then church went all morning, and then after that, then they had to go have lunch or dinner with church people. And it was just an all day thing. And although Kent grew up in a different environment than I did, he talked to me about Jesus, but it was never anything super deep. And so that sophomore year in high school, Kent invites me to a retreat, a high school retreat at Timberley and Eagle. And knowing what I know about church, I'm like, I'm not going. I already got to go every single Sunday. I am not going Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I am not doing that for church. I was a hard no, and I told Kent, not a chance. And Kent kept asking me to go. And I was like, no. And he asked again. And I'm like, no. Then he asked me if I wanted to go. But this time, he lied to me. <laughs> yeah. High school retreat, he lied to me. He said, here's what happens, John. It's not what you think. When you go to this retreat, we're going to party. Like, I think that meant all the Doritos and Mountain Dew you could drink at 15. We're going to party, and we're going to meet girls. Socially awkward, 15-year-old. I'm like, I'm in. So I go to this retreat. There are two things that did not happen that weekend. We did not party, and I did not meet girls. But what did happen is for the first time in my life, I heard the good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel was presented to me in a way that I understood for the first time. I learned that I was a sinner, that I wasn't good enough. I learned that I was not good enough. I learned that God loved me so much. He loved John so much that he didn't want me to remain in that state. And he loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus, not only for the world, but he sent him for me. And I knew that I needed a savior. And that weekend, I chose life in Jesus because he paid my sin penalty on the cross, and it hit home for the first time in my life. And so I'm here today in part, not because of anything profound that Kent ever said to me, 
but because he invited me to a retreat 44 years ago. And that's what the proximity principle in action looks like. To this day, Kent and I are still close friends, um, BFFs, if you will. Uh, he and his family attend here. Uh, last couple of years, we've been partners in, golf year, in a golf league. Two years ago, I had the honor and the privilege of officiating his oldest daughter's wedding. It was actually this weekend. And then last summer, Kent's father passed away. And I get to speak at the service for his father's funeral. So what if leading someone closer to Jesus, what if it's as simple as inviting the people that are already in proximity to you? What if it's that simple? And at River Glen, we are intentional about creating invite opportunities. Coming up in a few weeks, we're doing an event. We're calling it September Fest. It's going to be one of the largest events we do all year, and it's specifically designed to, inv to invite friends and family and neighbors to. We're going to have like a bounce house city, 15,000 square feet of bounce houses. It's going to run from the driveway on Sunset almost all the way down to Brook Hill. There's going to be games. There's going to be food. There's axe throwing. Sign a waiver. I don't know. But... <laughs> It's going to be a lot of fun, and we've designed it specifically so we can invite our friends and family. And, and so what if a simple invite, or what if, what if just simply letting somebody know that we see them? You know, students, you're going to get back to high school. You're going to be back in the classroom pretty soon, and you're going to see that individual sitting alone at school. What if you reached out to them? Or, or what if the rest of us, what if we see someone, we can just tell something's off? And what if we just sat and met them right where they are? And I know this doesn't sound simple because we think we're going to say the wrong things. We're going to do the wrong things. What are they going to think of me? What if they reject me? And when you have those kind of thoughts, and you will, once you start doing this, you will, I just want you to think back to my story and remember what a simple invite did to me. And that's why God puts people in proximity to us. They're in proximity to us for a reason. Not, Kent didn't say anything extraordinary to me. There's no way that he could have known or I could have known the impact that that simple invite would have on my life. But it changed the direction of my life. And Jesus himself, he models us this. And we'll take a look at John chapter 13. And in this, this is the Last Supper, and Jesus is, this is how he's demonstrating his one-at-a-time living. And Jesus said, I want to make this really, really clear to you. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And then he goes on to say, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one one another. Now Jesus is getting ready to send the disciples out into the world and they are about to turn the world upside down. And, and Jesus is like, hey, just remember, here's the most important part of the mission. The most important part of the mission is to love one another. Now think about all the things Jesus didn't say. And Jesus didn't say, hey, before you go out, get all the Bible knowledge you possibly can. And that's really important. We should get all the Bible knowledge we can. Jesus also didn't say, hey, get super hyper involved in your church. Volunteer there all the time. That's not what he said. But you do need to do that. We can't function without you. And Jesus didn't say, it's your position on social issues. And he also didn't say, hey, you know what? You're going to be known by the political party that you align with. The, the Son of God, he says, the defining mark of my followers is someone who's growing in their active love for other people. You will be known 
by your love for one another. And it's interesting that Jesus says this is a new command because maybe you, like the disciples, they're like, what do you mean this is a new command? But way back in Leviticus, right? Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses wrote in Leviticus 19, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and so the disciples, they're like, we've seen love. We've expressed love. We've felt love. Jesus, what do you mean by a new command? And the new command that Jesus gives, love one another as I have loved you, that's what's new. That's what's revolutionary. The way Jesus laid down his life for them and for us, that's all brand new. Now, at the Last Supper, when Jesus is all done, right, when dinner's done, Jesus stands up. He wraps a towel around the waist. Here's the Son of God, the King of Heaven. He wraps a towel around his waist, signifying that he's becoming a servant. And then one by one, one at a time, he washes the feet of the disciples. And Jesus says, this is what I've done for you. This is what you're to go and do for others. See, Jesus shows us how love people already in proximity to him. Think about all the names we have for Jesus. There's one that comes up every time at Christmas. It's Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And it means that he came close to us in the form of Jesus. And I love how Eugene Peterson, he wrote the message translation. In John 1.14, he translates it this way. He says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. This is how God loves us. God wants proximity with us, and there's power in proximity. Since the mid-2000s, all of us, whether you know it or not, you have been in a digital proximity experiment. Of course, what I'm talking about is the advent of social media and the rise of Facebook. And at the same time as these are rising, we have more and more friends than ever before. We are also all isolated more than ever before. And the results are in. The more virtual friends we have, the less real friends we have in, in real life. And the data is there to back this up. And so in 2008, a writer for the New York Times, he came up with this idea. He noticed that he had 700 friends on Facebook, and yet he was more isolated than ever before. And so he had this idea. He said, you know what? I'm going to invite 700, these 700 friends, I'm going to invite them to a party. And if you've got Facebook, you've all seen these Facebook invitations. And if you don't have Facebook, it's just a digital invite. But the way it responds is he got hundreds of people that said no. He got 60 people that said maybe. And he got 15 people that said, I'm coming. And his idea, he was hoping that maybe 20 people would show up, and then in real life, they could become friends, and they could hang out. Maybe they could form a community, and they could start doing life together. And so here's what he wrote. I showered, I shaved, my favorite part. I bought a new pair of pants. I wore my favorite shirt, and I drove to the bar filled with optimism. And then he said, I waited, I waited, and I waited. And then eventually one person showed up, and she was a friend of a friend. We weren't even friends. And she recognized quickly that it was just the two of us. It became rather awkward. And suddenly she remembered she had to work tomorrow. And she left. And then he said, I continued to wait and wait. And then somewhere around midnight, when no one else had come in, he ordered one more beer. And here's what he wrote. I raised my glass in a solitary toast, and I promised myself I spend less time online. Then I took a sip. The beer was delicious, but bittersweet. 700 friends 
and I was drinking alone. He had 700 friends, and all he wanted was proximity. All he craved in that moment was real people that he could have conversations with. And Jesus knew this. Jesus saw people. And that's why Jesus is walking down the street one day. And remember, he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree. He says, hey, Zacchaeus, come on down. We're having lunch at your place today. Or, or the time he's in Samaria, and he's walking, and he sees a woman at the well. And, and she's also a social outcast, just like Zacchaeus was. And Jesus goes and meets her in the moment and he speaks value into her life. You know, in the time we have remaining, I want to go and look at a parable in the Gospel of Luke. It's chapter 14. And in chapter 14, we find Jesus. He's at this party. He's an invited guest. But really why they invited Jesus is they, they, they want to give him 20 questions. They want to grill him. They want to know why he's healing on his on Sabbath. And they want to kind of attack and accuse Jesus. But Jesus is this invited guest at this party. And, and he wants to teach the people there. He wants to teach the religious people what it really means to be his follower. And this is what I love about Jesus because in this story, this is brilliant and funny at the same time. While at a party, Jesus says to them, imagine you're at a party. And Jesus is saying, suppose you're at a party. And this is really hard to do because they are at a party. And Jesus looks around and this is a very exclusive party. It's for the religious, it's for the elite, it's for the rich people, and these are the people that just kind of invited each other back and forth to parties. And, and if we're honest, we all like a little bit of exclusivity. Now, we might not say we're elite, and, and we might not say we're, we're rich, but the reality is we all kind of like to hang out in our comfortable little circles, right? We, we don't want to move out beyond our comfort zones. And Jesus addresses this head on, and in verse 12 he says, then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, like you're doing right now, don't invite your friends, your brother or relatives, or your rich neighbors. And all of a sudden, everybody at this party starts looking around and like, uh-oh, he's talking about us. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. And so they just kind of thought they were going to kind of ambush Jesus at this party, and now Jesus wants to talk about the kingdom. And, and this is what's going to be really interesting, because watch how Jesus connects who they spend their time on earth with the reward in heaven. He goes on in verse 13. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And now think about how awkward this party is becoming because these people know that Jesus is talking about them. And they thought they were just going to be hanging out. But to ease the awkwardness, right? Have you ever been in an awkward situation where fortunately someone tries to break the awkwardness? That's exactly what happens in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And this isn't what Jesus is talking about at all. And Jesus isn't going to be distracted. He's not going to be deflected. Instead, he's actually going to use the man's comment to further drive home his point. And in doing so, Jesus is going to show us three different ways to live out this power of proximity. Verse 16, it goes on. Jesus replied, 
a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And there's two invites to a banquet. The first invite is say, hey, date, time, location, here's where it's going to be. And the second invite is when it's all ready. So here's what happens next. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is ready. And we're going to come back to that part at the very end today. But they all begin to make excuses. And we've all made excuses in our lives, right? The first said, I've just bought a field, and I must go see it. Please excuse me. And the second one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And then there's this third guy. Check out his excuse. I just got married. He's blaming his wife. (laughs) We all have excuses why we can't be in proximity with one another. But often, those excuses aren't bad. They're just different priorities. And that's why Jesus says, this new command I'm going to give you to love one another as I loved you, here's what it's going to require. It's going to require you to think less about yourself and more about others. In fact, Jesus is saying, instead of making excuses, proximity means being fully present wherever you are. And now the reality, this happens to all of us, we're physically in one place and we're thinking about a different place. So during the work week, you're thinking about the weekend. On the weekend, you're thinking about the work week and then we get together with our friends, we go to a coffee shop or whatever and then you walk in and we've all seen this. Eight people at a table and nobody's talking. And as a result... Here's what happens. We miss someone in our proximity that needs us to notice them. God purposely places people in proximity with others. He does it on purpose. He puts people in our past so we'll notice them. And so proximity means being fully present wherever you are. And it looks like this. When someone's talking, you put that phone away, turn it off, lean into them, make eye contact, repeat what they're saying. Ask questions, remember their names, remember their details, and as you do this active listening, they're going to continue to talk, and you're not even going to have to ask them what they need. They will tell you how you can serve them in the moment. And then in verse 21, Jesus continues. The servants came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go quickly into the streets and the alleys of town, bring the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And now remember where Jesus is. Jesus is at this party for all of the beautiful people, the rich, the elite, right? All of the beautiful people are there. And Jesus is telling them, invite the people that nobody wants at this party. He's saying, you're throwing an exclusive party, but to be my follower, you have to be inclusive. And in fact, in fact, I think Jesus would say, proximity is seeing the uninvited and the overlooked. It's caring for those that you might actually try to avoid. And that's why every July, for the past several years, we do our Night of Stars prom. It is for the special needs people in our community, and there's special needs communities all across America. But these people are so often overlooked and not seen. And so for one night, we make it all about them. They are the hero. They are the champion. And we had 140 guests in July. We had a couple hundred volunteers, all designed to see the people who are often uninvited and overlooked. Most days, though, we grow 
we go great lengths to stay in our comfortable little bubble, and Jesus is saying, no, no, that's not what it's like. You actually have to go out, and you have to invite the poor, and the Greek word there, it actually translates better. You have to go and invite the people without value, and so Jesus is telling us this, because Jesus gives his life on the cross for you and me. Jesus placed immense value on our lives. And now he's saying, I want you to place immense value on the uninvited and the overlooked. And Jesus goes on in verse 23. Then the master told his servant, go to the roads and the country lanes and make them come in so my house will be full. And I think the third thing, that Jesus would want us to see. Proximity may require going to unfamiliar and uncomfortable places. See, Jesus' goal for your life and for my life, it is not to make us more comfortable. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. And that fullness, that's gonna be required. It's gonna require us to stretch some new muscles. It requires seeing with new eyes. It requires us going to unfamiliar and uncomfortable places. And this idea of inviting, it can be uncomfortable, but we need to look beyond. We need to look beyond that. So we need to step into the unfamiliar and the uncomfortable. And sometimes inviting is uncomfortable. But watch what happens. I want to share a story of, of my friend Ryan. This is, his, this is Ryan's wife, Ashley, and their son, Liam. In 2013, they were living in Greenfield, and they decided that they wanted to move to Waukesha. They didn't know a lot about Waukesha. They didn't know where to look or where, where, where neighborhood to move in. And they, different real estate, they looked at over 30 different homes. And they finally picked a home in a neighborhood for no particular reason. But God's always got a plan, and God always puts us in proximity. So they moved in. And across the street from where Ryan and Ashley moved in were River Glen attenders. And they became friends. And so for three years, Ryan and Ashley were invited to attend River Glen. Ryan didn't grow up in faith. Ashley went to church. But Ryan's like, no, man, I tell you what, you go to church. When you get home, I'll have the grill fired up. I'll have beers ready. We'll watch the game. But I don't want to go to church with you. And they continued to ask. And then in 2016, Ryan and Ashley were asked again. And they said yes. And if you're around, when they came, we were doing the series at the movies. And so Ryan's got this really obscure idea of what church is, but he walks in, Don rolls up here teaching, he's wearing a football jersey, we're doing, we're pulling biblical principles out of the movie called Rudy, and Ryan's like blown away. He's like, wait a minute. There's biblical principles in movies, and they're on stage, and this guy's wearing a first, this is what church is, and he loved the music. And so they came back. In 2018, Ryan became a follower of Jesus, and I baptized Ashley and Ryan in December of that year. In 2019, they took Alpha and Rooted. In 2021, they began to lead Alpha and rooted. In 2022, Ryan left a 15-year career in the military to come on staff at River Glen. He's our next step lead here in Waukesha. And I want to I take a look at their neighborhood. I'm going to put up a diagram here. The blue house on the top line, those are the neighbors. That's who invited them to River Glen. The road across the street, that blue house, that's Ashley and Ryan. 
those other arrows that you see into the backyards, across the street, down the road, there's even more. Those are people that Ashley and Ryan have continued to invite to River Glen. And in 2023, many of those families have attended because that's what happens when we're in proximity, we're present in the moment, we see others, we step out of our comfort zones, and people are led closer to Jesus. I told you my story, simple invitation I, I, I received. It helped me grow closer to Jesus. And, and so I want to challenge you this week. Here's the prayer I, I want you to pray every day. God, help me to be in proximity this week with people who need your love. I, I wonder how that would reshape your day and my day if we just said, God, help me be in proximity this week, this week with people who need your love. Remember that story in Luke, that parable? I told you I was going to come back to a moment. I love how the master was passing out invitations as if they were endless. More room, more invitations, more invitations, more room, more invitations, and more room. And I wonder, what would it be like for you and me to live like that every single day? Like we just had this supply of endless invitation that God wants to use you and me in proximity with others. He wants us to invite them so they can grow closer to Jesus. It means being fully present wherever you are. It's seeing the uninvited and the overlooked. And it may require going into some unfamiliar and uncomfortable places. That's why you and I are here. We are here to live out this command. And Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much, first of all and foremost, for loving us so much that you moved into the neighborhood, that you came into proximity to be with us. And God, I honestly believe and earnestly know in my heart that everybody here today was invited a step closer to you at some point in their lives. Lord, maybe there's people here for the first time, and maybe they're not in a relationship with you. And so I just pray that the invite, the fact that they're here, it helps them take the next step. But God, if we're a follower of Jesus, we're part of that mission. And I just pray that we all realize that we have a part to play. And it's just that simple ask and invite, even after being told no over and over. God, would you give us the courage to continue to ask? Would you give us the wisdom and, and the discernment to see the people in our lives that we can just come alongside of us? God, show us people this week who need to be in proximity with us just like we needed to be in proximity with you. God, we thank you for this time, and I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.